This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, here today with Wills Couture, IT expert at Newcore Steel and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and uh, hoping that Jeremy Thompson will be along with us here uh, shortly. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio's show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department, all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wills can help you keep it safe. And both can actually do either very well, so we're in good hands Either way, we want to hear from you this morning. Got any tech problems, issues, or questions, or do you have a story or experience to share? Uh, call Everyday Tech today. The number is 877-MPB-RING. It's 877-672-7464. Big story today. Uh, amongst all of the normal mm, stories and headlines from the week in consumer technology, of course, we have this uh, ransomware attack on uh, a pipeline that goes across the United States and a lot of people are freaked out about this, and uh, it it goes to ask a bigger question about cybersecurity and uh, the growing problem of ransomware. And our, I don't want to say the country, I say humanity as a whole, people, our society's reliance on technology and uh, how unprepared for something like this we are and just how available to exploit is basically uh, all of our human infrastructure. So with those big questions thrown out there and a warning to not put gas in a plastic bag, we welcome in Wiltz <laughs> Cotrere. Good morning, Wiltz. What's going on? Man, good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. <laughs> Hanging in there. Yeah. I've not gas. I've not panic bought gas yet. And that's just it, man. There's no reason to, the the only panic that's being created is the panic that people are creating. Um, just just like the the news bumper just before our show even said, big portions of it are already running manual. I mean, it's it, it's a pipeline. It's up and running. The biggest problem right now is people. Um, so, yeah, remain calm. All <laughs> is well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so again, we'd love to hear from you this morning, 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. I mean, if you want to talk about this, certainly we could talk about it. Uh, Would not like like for it to be political, uh, although 
anything that is anything people want to turn political these days, unfortunately. Uh, but um, there's plenty of other stuff going on, including the FCC uh, approving $7 billion to get better equipment to remote learners. Um, uh, Epic versus Apple uh, continuing to uh, uh, broil on, I guess you could say. And uh, Sony expects PS5 supplies uh, or the issues with those supplies to continue into next year. Uh, if you have a PS5, you're a lucky person. That is not something that you just walk into. Uh, I know this. I, I, at, at different points in the last couple of months, I've been cash in hand. Well, not cash in hand, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, funds available, ready for a PS5, and nah, nowhere, anywhere near me. Uh, and not going to be anytime soon. And for, you know, how it just somehow they're sold out before they even get them. So that's a good problem to have, I suppose, for Sony. Um, and uh, I guess it's going to continue to drive demand higher and higher and higher. Game sellers are probably not super excited about this because it probably uh, undercuts um, the ability to strike while the iron is hot on some of these titles. Although at the same time, like with the system, it does, you know, continue to, I guess, kind of expand uh, the 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 length of time that a title can be hot on the chart, so to speak. So it, yeah. it kind of does extend a life, the 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 life of what am I trying to say here? The the life of the ability for a title to be hot and be on the charts and sell a lot. It does kind of. Cut, it undercuts it to a certain extent, but extends the life of that uh, availability. So if that made any kind of sense at all, which I know it didn't. but uh... <laughs> Totally makes sense, man. I totally, I totally got you. Yeah. So, Wiltz, let's, let's get into it, man. You've been telling us about ransomware for a long time. We've had a show about this. Uh, we've had guests on. A couple of books, even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, the biggest thing is, and it's like, and I've been I've been hearing this question quite a bit. This is not a new phenomenon. People have been screaming this from the rafters for for quite a while. This this is a problem. We had, um, you know, some gentlemen a couple of months ago on the show even talking about it. It's happening. Unfortunately, this stuff has been happening a lot of times in the uh, you know on the back pages of the newspaper essentially. And well, now it's getting it's getting headline news. Unfortunately, yeah. um, ransomware is a serious problem, and you know, kind of. Kind of back to what you were saying too. This is not a political problem. This is not a right versus left versus center. This is a problem. Um, this is a fiscal problem. This is going to hit us all in the pocketbooks, and it has been hitting us all in the pocketbooks. So, um, you know, in a very very strange way, I guess. I mean, it's, it's kind of it, it's nice to see it getting the headlines that it needs and getting people actually paying attention and hearing the term, but it's unfortunate that it's getting the headlines that it needs and getting people to hear the term, if that makes any sense. So what is it that, I mean, because at this point, you know, this is infrastructure we're talking about. It is private business, but at the same time, it is private business that is tied directly into, you know, you know, mainframe infrastructure in our country. What, yeah, I mean, what, what do is, uh, governments do about this? What can governments do about this? I know they've kind of slow played this because this is one of those things where it's like, man, that that stinks, but it hasn't happened to me yet. So I guess I'm not really going to worry that much about it. Uh, but 
I mean, this is this is something that has affected people wide scale. This pipeline connects much of the East Coast, but it has affected the Southeast at the same time because that's where most of the panic buying has been. And there's a, a wide scale shortage of gasoline in the South because of this. But as a government, how does a government get going on something like this? Well, I mean, really, I think the bigger question is how do we start holding the companies accountable? There are methods and, and there are things that companies can do, small and large, to defend themselves against this. One of the biggest things I think is actually happening now is education and awareness. Yeah. Um, you know, just like what you said, too, though. Oh, it, it happens to the other guy. It's not going to happen to me. No, it will happen to you. If you're hearing this right now, you are susceptible to getting a ransomware attack, be it at your house, be it your small business, large business, government entity, school. You know, what it was quite a few months ago, we heard about, you know, uh, Yazoo County Schools got hit for $300,000. How bad did that hurt their school budget? I mean, yeah. this, this is happening and it's impacting every single solitary one of us. So, so to me, in my mind, it's not nearly as much what can someone else do about it. It's like, what can we do about ourselves? We have to take it serious. And then the, the worst thing on this one is, yeah, there's some software tools, some hardware tools that you can put into place. Um, but ultimately, the biggest vulnerability is um, between everyone's two ears right now. It's a people problem. These, these infections occur because someone falls for an email, falls for a false website, clicks on a link, and starts this chain reaction. One single person can literally bring the entire company down. It just takes one person not paying attention, one person not taking it seriously or going, oh, it's not my stuff. I don't have to worry about it. One person with that kind of attitude can literally shut down a pipeline. Yeah, and so it's and not like finally we're seeing that. So it's not it. it and to reiterate your point, it's not like what we see in the movies where some guy breaks into a building and you know puts some kind of gadget on the back of a computer that hacks the password and then he gets in and and does all this typing and stuff like that. It's not like that at yeah. all. No, this is some malicious actor somewhere, and, and we we've got to get out of that mentality of thinking. You know, at least, at least in our instance, we can't sit there and think, oh, well, just, you know, within the U.S. This is a worldwide thing. So and it's companies and nation states and everything else. But it's people putting out millions and millions and millions of emails. And, hey, they only need one person to hit. They only needed one person in Yazoo County Schools to hit. And they made a three hundred thousand dollar payday. Not so, that, yeah, this is not, you know, somebody sitting in someone's basement. It's not, you know, some big mass conspiracy. These are, not, yes, there are some targeted instances of this happening. They can target specific businesses they want to. But the bigger problem, the problem that probably impacts the most of us is it's just that target of opportunity. You just happen to have received, I mean, how many of us receive those junk emails every day? Yeah. How many of us receive those junk text messages? By the way, the same stuff can happen there, you know. You get these things every day and, you know, hopefully you click delete and go on about your business, but not everyone does. And I think, you know, you're seeing the the high end on what the damage can be with this gas pipeline. But at the same time, you, you point out that, you know, the Yazoo, Yazoo County School District gets hit. And man, of all the school districts in the United States, if somebody's particularly, a, you know, I guess... If somebody's particularly going after the Yazoo County, Mississippi school district, it can happen to anybody. 
because I yes. would suspect that there are much more lucrative school districts that you could hit than any in Mississippi, you know, um, and yep. specifically ones that that, you know, that are in traditionally underfunded areas. But still. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I got a friend of mine um, um, here in the greater Jackson area, just a small business. Just he only had, you know, 12, 12 computers going on, you know, small family owned business. He was hit. He was totally put out. Of, you know, it totally shut him down. It took out his his business. So, yes, wow. great and small. It, it's not it's not always that big conspiracy theory of, you know, you got the the nerd sitting in the basement that's going after, you know, the the company who did them wrong. No, they're just they're blasting it out there, man. No different than all those spam messages we get every single day. I do want to ask you a little bit later on about, uh, you know, our our reliance on you know, interconnected technology, are we too reliant on that a little bit later on? Also, you know, your advice on, on what you would do, uh, you know, n- as a, just a single individual consumer, number one, but then also maybe as a, as a small business owner or something like that. Uh, let's go to the phones. We do have some callers. Let's start with line two. We got Sue in Beaumont that wants to ask a question about ransomware. Sue, good morning. Good morning. I'm just wondering, where is Homeland Security? Shouldn't we have some Somebody in the government on top of this stuff, this, these, these uh, ransomware things, what, 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 where's Homeland Security? And I'd like to make one more comment. I used to write for the newspaper, and I wrote once about after Katrina, how utterly dependent we are on electricity. And, uh, and that if, if some other country wanted to sabotage this country, totally bring us to our knees, all it have to do is sabotage our electrical system. And somebody said, wrote to me and said, well, you know, that's, you're giving these terrorists ideas. I said, they've already got that all figured out, you know. So I think if they sabotage, sabotage our electrical system, we're all going to be down in the pits, you know. But where is Homeland Security in all this? Do we have it anymore? That's a great point and a great question, Sue. You, you, and look, just, uh, you know, not too many months ago, when all of this cold weather happened and that the, the whole electrical grid in Texas and the issue that they had, uh, to your point, I mean, they, they were not prepared to deal with all that. Your question about Department of Homeland Security is uh, ironic in that it leads me to this Washington Post story that came out a couple of days ago. Christopher Krebs, who's formerly the head of cybersecurity and infrastructure uh, security agency at the Department of Homeland Security testified last Wednesday, okay, before the House Committee on Homeland Security that a form of malware called ransomware has been more prevalent than ever before and given an ever, ever widening criminal enterprise and, and vulnerable digital landscape, he said critical infrastructure was at risk of debilitating attacks. That was two days before the pipeline was hit. So uh, I, I, I don't know if, I mean, this is a former head of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at the Department of Homeland Security. So I don't know if DHS is, you know, if they've been trying to slow play this, and maybe that's why Christopher Krebs is formerly the head of that agency. Um, but uh, it's, it's known, and people are trying to talk about it and trying to get it, get it out there, to your point, Sue. Sue, we appreciate the call. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll have Craig in Biloxi, and we'll continue to take your calls. We'll, tell, uh, we'll keep talking about this and uh, some of the other uh, stories headlining the week at Consumer Technology. 
You can call us today. The number is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Wilt Samjay. Thanks for listening this morning. 877-MPB-RING is the number, 877-672-7464. Let's go right back to the phones. We have Craig, who is in Biloxi. Craig, thanks for calling this morning. What's going on? Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm trying to save files onto a USB uh, flash drive from my phone. I have the Type-C USB outlet, and I, and I looked on the box and the Internet to see what, I'm, what phones are compatible. My phone is not on there. Uh, is there any special thing? I mean, there's, there's probably a couple of hundred things listed there, but my, special, my particular phone is not on there. Do you think you could well, that it'll work anyway? Well, I mean, you can always try it. I mean, sometimes they may not list it, but otherwise, your your easier route may be to first save it to you know uh, connect your phone to the uh, to your computer, copy them to your computer, and then from your computer you can transfer them to the thumb to the USB drive. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, I was just I was just wondering. Yeah, you have to download an app to to get to get it into the into the drive okay uh, you should you shouldn't need an app to go onto a your your regular computer should just be able to talk to a usb drive it should just recognize it as any other drive for you once you once you plug that up to your computer it should just recognize it as being there um what kind of right. phone is it that you're trying to uh talk to? is it a i'm, I'm going to presume an android phone Yes, it's an Android uh, Samsung A O one, but it's it's not listed. I, I was thinking I, it, I th- that it needs an app on the phone to go into the USB C flash drive, and, and it's a dual drive. One side of the drive is USB C, and one side is a uh, two uh, three Yeah, I think sometimes those uh, those Samsung phones have specific drivers or something. I think that's what you. That's what you download technically, so that they recognize each other. I've done that before, yeah. and it could have been updated lately. So your phone may be may be added to the list. They're they're always kind of uh, updating their compatibility. Okay, well, I just I just bought this, and I'm trying to. All right, thank you. All right, Craig, we appreciate the call this morning right. from Biloxi. Eight seven seven MPB ring is the number eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go next to Chris, who is in Ridgeland. Chris, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Hey, how y'all doing today? Excellent, excellent. Good to hear from you. Hey, uh, so uh, a caller or two ago raised a point about the Department of Homeland Security, wondering where they were on the pipeline. Um, the big problem that the Department of Homeland Security and the various other agencies have is that the major, not the majority necessarily, but a lot of the most qualified. Um, security experts that could help 
put stuff in place for this. Our, uh, excuse me. Um, there, there's a big problem with security clearances right now, uh, particularly among uh, security experts who have had previous marijuana use in the past. Um, if there's a security clearance question that asks if you've ever used any sort of illegal drug in the past, and they don't care so much about if you have, they want to know if you're going to lie about it. But the general public isn't aware of that. They think that if you've used it at all in the past, it's going to be a problem. Um, so that eliminates, at the very first step, a lot of people from even trying to go into working for the government in security. Um, there was a story not too long ago about some aides in the White House being fired for what in the headlines said was marijuana use. But it's not. It's the, uh, it's the lying about it that was the problem. Um, the other component is that if you're skilled in cybersecurity, you can make a lot more money going private than you can working for the government. Yeah. So the government's on the back foot with a lot of this stuff. And Department of Homeland Security is there, but there's only so much they can do with the way that they're hamstrung. Anyway, that's all I had to say on the subject. All right, Chris. Thanks for the call from Rigel this morning. That, it, that is a problem. Uh, and absolutely I mean, and right. That's and a, I think it also kind of goes to the yeah. I mean, there's there's something, but I think we gotta we we can't lose focus. I don't think of of the core of the problem. The core of the problem is a people problem. It's not a regulation problem. It's not a technology problem. It's not a um, an, an agency problem. I mean, yes, there are things that those different entities can do to assist. But at the end of the day, the core of the problem is a people problem. It is a person clicking on an email and giving up generally their credentials or going and opening an attachment that they should not have opened that ends up infecting it. And unless you have a security professional over everyone's shoulder, it's really hard to defend against that. And that's why they're becoming so successful is because, in my opinion, there's this, this prevailing attitude of it won't happen to me. Oh, what's the big deal? I mean, I hear this all the time. It's just my email. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it's not just your email. It's everybody else is connected to you, and it's your bank accounts, and it's your insurance, and it's your 401ks. And But the common reply that we in the IT field have gotten for, well, the 30-plus years that I've been into it, it's just my email. And until we can get away from that attitude, we're going to continue to see these kind of hits come through. And like our earlier caller said, yeah, uh, it, it's unfortunate, but it's been mentioned in the in the um, tech community, security community for decades now. Power systems and you know water systems and you know, all these systems are susceptible because they're all interconnected. Once you plug into the internet, you are connected to everyone. You are connected all the way from here and around the world. Um, but it's a people problem at the end of the day, unfortunately. So let me ask a really noob question. Is there, okay. I mean, and, I, and I'm sure that people have looked into this a thousand times over, but just out of general curiosity, I'm asking, I mean, w what kind of possibility is there to, I guess, maybe isolate email systems from, you know, networks that everything else is connected to? Well, you know, the, the thing is... I mean, that sounds easy Email in theory. Email has become so <laughs> mission critical. If I did anything during the day as an IT professional 
that interrupted your ability to work with it as easily as you did today, how popular am I going to be? Yeah. I'm going to be the most hated guy in the office because what we want is we want convenience and easy. And what the IT shop wants is security. And somewhere in the middle is a balance, but we can't have an absolute on either. So, I mean, I remember whenever I was at a state agency and we were amongst the first to implement email filtering, the amount of flack I caught from the 100 plus employees that were at that agency was astounding. They hated me for it. Never mind I was cutting out 90 some odd percent of the spam coming into the agency. All they cared about was that one email they didn't get because it, it took them an extra hour to get it. Um, and so, yeah, isolating. I mean, there, there's things if we really wanted to be secure from the IT side of things, there's a lot of things we could do to make it secure. But most end users would not like it. Um, and most business would have to change the way that they're doing things. Um, you'd have to go from playing solitaire on your computer to having to pull the deck of cards out of your desk again and playing solitaire the old manual <laughs> way. You know. Um, I guess my question, though, was, is, and I'm sure if there was a way to do this, that it would already be wide scale. But, you know, just, just thinking in, you know, very general 30,000 foot view terms, you know, that, that, you know, everyone's interconnectivity within a building and then maybe their email kind of living in different universes that don't necessarily intertwine. Is there a way to do that? Is there a way to keep those independent from one another? Since this seems to be the, the, the way that, that these, you know, hacking organizations get in and find their way into to mainframes like this. Well, we're, I mean, a lot of places will already do that. We could be, um, you know, for example, Within the mail out here, we actually we do segment off particular networks so that a compromise in one general business area cannot affect another yeah. area. But you know, short of isolating and making every single solitary computer its very own independent network, uh, that would be you know we we can make it into smaller zones. But, but again, that requires money, it requires time, it requires people, and it requires management, and um, and it's it's just you know we you know for example also we we put different software tools in here we put, we have different things that are you know trying to prevent and they you know you may end up needing permission to install something on your computer that's a great way of preventing some of this but again users get very upset about that it's like well I want to install this now I don't want to wait ten minutes I want it now what happens if you click a YouTube video and after five seconds hasn't started what do we start doing? It's the same thing we start doing if we go out to, to get the elevator in a building. We click the button, and if the elevator is not there instantly, <laughs> we're mashing that button, which, by the way, makes it come no faster. Right, yeah. Uh, but we're, uh, we want it now. We want it now. And like I said, we could put those things in place, but it's it, simply a matter of money and time and commitment. And you had to have larger staff. And I mean, I know I just sound like I'm throwing a bunch of roadblocks up at it, but you know, th these are things that we do talk about. Sure, we yeah. try to do this a lot with software and different hardware pieces, and we can isolate some traffic. But in the meantime, um, it's it's I mean, it's it's got to be an education thing, right? That that is, that is key, and that's that's really that's um that's our biggest approach in here. I mean, I put software and hardware pieces in place, and we as a company have done the same. Um, but my big push, well, for example, we actually have a program that we run, and randomly throughout the month. We send out fake phishing emails 
they're absolutely fake. They are, you know, they're very hard to distinguish from the real thing. Yeah. But the best way to get somebody used to seeing what they should, you know, and getting used to these things is, is hands on. And so we'll send these. And if somebody falls for this fake message, they get additional training opportunities. <laughs> um, to help yeah. them to identify it. It's like, hey, this is saying that it's coming from in the company, but did you notice that big blue banner at the top that said that it came from outside the company? Yeah, that's a big red flag that says don't click this. Um, so our goal with that is is the more you run people through these things and the more you give them real-life scenarios, maybe they'll start identifying it, and it will help not only them, but it's going to also help them at their house too. But, you know, um, it's just a matter of getting, you know, there are red flags you can look for and there are ways to defend yourself. But until we start educating people in mass and we get people to realize that, hey, it's not just your email. This is a bigger thing. The other thing, um, too, is that that companies and agencies have to take this seriously and they have to they have to make exactly. it a priority as opposed to just kind of letting, you know, their their IT department, you know, run around, you know, looking like, you know, folks that are stressed out and kind of sweeping them under the rug and not really paying them much attention while they're, you know, they're trying to make other things, uh, you know, run more smoothly. It's got to be a priority. Uh, Well, you're absolutely right. It's kind of an old saying that we've had in the IT shop for a while. It's like when everything is running really super smooth and there's no problems, people are walking around going, why do we even pay you guys? Right. And then I was going to say it's, it's, it's and it's all on fire. They're running around screaming, why are we even paying you guys? I mean, (laughs) Um, it it, it is a group effort and it can't, it's not just an IT problem. It's an everyone problem. Um, it's a problem because there's no return on investment. There's no, at least they don't see the return on investment, but what does it cost you to not? Well, that's it. There's no, there's no line item return on investment right there. You know, whereas nobody, nobody, um, nobody appreciates, uh, car insurance until after you've had an accident. (laughs) Certainly. Certainly. Or home you know, home insurance for that that matter. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, Rob, who is calling from Decatur, Alabama. Rob, thanks for calling in. Hey, yeah, y'all just kind of touching bases uh, on what I was calling about. And I had a situation, actually it wasn't an email, but it was, uh, uh, with my text. I had called up uh, AT&T about an issue, and uh, then the very next day I got a text. And it was uh, apparently, or I thought, it was from AT&T. It was so legitimate. I mean, they used their logos and everything. And it mentioned them by how they appreciated the fact that I uh, called in about the situation for AT&T and that they wanted a, me to do a survey. And if, if I complete that survey, then I would get a free gift. I think it was like a little uh, tablet. And I, so I fell for it. And so it's a quick survey, and then they wanted my credit card to pay for the shipping. So I put the, I used the credit card, and it wouldn't accept it. And I thought that was kind of strange. There shouldn't, shouldn't be any issue with that. And so I tried to, uh, you know, I guess my gullibility, I tried another credit card, which and it accepted it. So I said, okay. And so we went on, and I decided, I just kind of, I didn't feel right about why they wouldn't accept our first credit card. So I decided. A few, uh, wasn't very long after that. I checked the uh, the credit card that I used, and so it had it. It had the transaction listed there, and I was able to click on it. Now I'm using my uh, desktop for this on the internet, and went on the credit card uh, website, and it 
listed the name of this, and it was from Czechoslovakia. Of that, that oh. I said that don't sound right, and so I, and also it only charged me one cent. So I went called them up, and they said, "Yeah, that's just what they want. They just wanted your information." And uh, so I immediately went in there, and I had to shut the credit card down, and both of them, matter of fact. And so, and then I noticed I'm constantly getting these uh, either emails or whatever, or if you're on the internet about doing a survey, and I, I figure most of them, some of them probably legitimate, but I don't want to touch them. I kind of figure out how do we figure out what's legit and what's not. Well, you know, you, you bring up several wonderful points. The first one that really jumped out at me was these these scams are very sophisticated. They look very official. Um, I, I just wanted to reiterate that. I mean, people fall for these things because they do them very well. These people, yeah, this is not some fly by night group out there doing this. Um, for me, usually my line in the sand is the moment anybody asks for anything fiscal or they're asking for any identifying information on me, anything other than, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know, pretty much any kind of anything I could feel like would be identifying to me to include even my email address. Anybody you're doing business with already has that information. They don't need those things. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's a really big first. And but here's the also the downside of this is once you they get you once, once they can confirm that you're a real person and they're in there just once, your information gets spread amongst hundreds or thousands of others. So now everyone comes for you. It's like, okay, we got somebody here that could, we can potentially trick. Let's all go for them. And it's just going to increase the amount of spam to the point of, I won't even do, un, uh, you know, uh, oh, what am I trying to think? Unsubscribe when it comes to these emails. A lot of times all an unsubscribe on a malicious email is is a confirmation of, hey, we got a real life person on the other end of this. Because what they're doing is they're just sending out just millions of email messages and they're just hoping that one will bite. It's kind of like casting out into the lake, hoping a fish gets on there. Um, hence the term fishing. But really your best thing you can start doing is just really start ignoring them. Um, you know, I hate to say that for a lot of the legitimate companies out there that are actually trying to get real surveys and trying to put information together, but it just in my opinion, you just can't trust it. I guess I've kind of gotten to that whole, I just, I don't trust anything really that comes through the email um, or through websites to me, unless I have specifically went to a location and it's someone I know that I am doing business with. Never follow links and emails and things like that. And I, I feel like I just kind of soapboxed on you, so I hope I kind of hit toward your question there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I do some I do some ordering of merchandise online, and here lately mm -hmm. I constantly get this. Immediately after I go into the site, this little uh, window pops up and it's called a uh, site called Smarty. I don't have you. Are you familiar with them? Uh, it, I am not, offer, not heard of all that. kinds of discounts and coupons and stuff like that. And, but because of my experience prior to that, I, I won't open it up, but I was kind of curious about it. So anyway, but hey, I appreciate y'all's show. Uh, y'all have a great show and it's good uh, all the time. Thanks a lot, guys. Rob, we appreciate the call. Thank Thanks a lot. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we got Jesse and Goshen Springs going to ask about some gaming uh, monitors. 
And we would love to hear from you as well. 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. Got an email to get to as well that came to us within the last week that is uh, eerily close to what we were just talking about. Uh, Somebody got a a phishing email uh, with an attachment that looks just like it came from eBay. It's it's incredible uh, how how close it looks. So we'll take a break. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, Dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'd love to hear from you this morning. 877-MPB-RING is the number. 877-672-7464. 7464. Let's go right back to the phones. We got Jesse in Goshen Springs who's been uh, waiting patiently on us. Jesse, go right ahead. What's going on? Um, yeah. Um, I do a lot of uh, uh, PC gaming, um, and a lot of the games I've got uh, can run 4K or even higher in some cases, but uh, the monitor I've got only runs 1080p, and I've had a time trying to find any monitors that can run 4K that don't just cost astronomical amounts. Um, is it possible just to run off of a, a PC off of a like a 4K TV or something, or do you have to buy a monitor that's specifically built for that? No, you could definitely plug into a um, into any TV because I would presume. More than likely, if your PC is running, able to run 4K, you've probably got an HDMI output. And you could simply put that right into your 4K TV. I've seen just a ton of people, actually, a gentleman, a lady that I work with, her husband, that's how he does his his gaming at the house. As he is, has his, the HDMI cable from his computer is plugged directly into his 4K TV right there in his living room, and he has a, a great experience with it. Okay, and uh, there wouldn't be an issue with... Uh higher frame rates because uh, I try to run at least minimum of 60 FPS and sometimes even higher if I can get it. No, I mean, it, but now, and, you know, full disclosure, I don't do much PC gaming anymore, but just from, you know, talking with him and what he's doing, and I know he's running uh, flight simulators and such. Yeah, I think that TV is already meant for doing full scale, you know, it, it's doing 4K video, um, that's what it's meant to do. So, you know, no different than a 4K movie or something playing. And, and, and a lot of our games nowadays have gotten to that level of realism. So 
um, I would think your experience would be really good with that. Okay, I will give that a try. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, Jesse. Yes, yeah, and I, I I do the same. I don't have a 4K TV, but I do uh, plug my PC into a, a, a television to do my you know, gaming. Now I'm thinking about it, I guess I do actually have I have my Xbox running at 4K, and it's going into a 4K TV. And I'm not really sure because you don't really mess with the frame rates on those guys, or at least I don't much, but it's always just looked absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah. Um, I would hope I, I would I genuinely would feel like he would have a uh, a good experience with that. I think it probably depends. Right. For some reason computer monitors that are 4K are just astronomical. They sure are. They sure are. I I think a lot of it depends on you know what TV you buy as to what kind of quality you're going to get and its ability to handle that that uh, 60 uh, FPS in 4K. Uh, yeah. But like you said, um, uh, it's a little bit different, you know, because TVs aren't necessarily built to 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 be processing the kind of speed and everything that that games move at. So it's not quite the same. But I, I, by yeah, and but large, the computers doing the processing really. I mean, it's just sending that video signal out ish. Yeah, but by and large, it should be able to to handle something like that. I mean, the only difference is is that you know TVs are 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 built you know, with a, with a different scale. So you'll have to work on that a little bit, maybe get used to that. If you're used to having, you know, gaming uh, shaped and sized monitors, it's a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit more, more, a uh, little bit more square, less rectangular, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, and uh, if you like the curved monitors, it might be a little bit different too, unless you have a curved 4k television. And if you those have, are pretty cool. If you have one of those, you probably can buy whatever you want with it anyway, because you're spending money already. Eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We did get an email, Wilts, uh, and uh, it was Georgia in Hattiesburg who said, uh, "I received uh, the attached email that she sent uh, a picture of to us recently." I knew I had not ordered this item, nor had I recently paid anything via PayPal. Also noted that the source of the email was not PayPal, so I was aware that this was illegitimate. On the second page, a transaction summary, only the email address is mine. It says to click here to cancel this order. Perhaps that was risky, knowing that it was fraud, but I did anyway just to see what it led to. It showed what appeared to be PayPal's sign-in page. Of course, I did not enter my information. If I had quote-unquote signed in, I would have given the scammer my ID and password to PayPal. Just wanted to warn people about this particular scam. Also, it was, also was it dangerous for me to have clicked the email? Did my curiosity override my brain? That's Georgia from Hattiesburg. Wilt, your thoughts on that one? Well, um, was it... It can definitely be dangerous going to a malicious website because once you go to that website, depending on the intentions of the scammer, that website can have some some nasty code that comes up and can get into your computer. Uh, what I would generally advise people to do is instead of actually clicking it, just hover over it and see what address it goes to. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably guess in this particular instance if you hover over that link it's not going to be going to an official www.paypal.com yeah um by the way and be careful with 
terms like PayPal, the L looks suspiciously like a one. So for somebody to go out and buy the domain PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-1.com um, is not an unusual thing. And they will play on, you know, uh, Google using zeros instead of the O's. Those are legitimate website yeah. names. And, but, you know, or, or capitalize, capitalize yeah, and lowercase I L's. Really against clicking. Yeah. Capitalize and lowercase L's are also a way that they get over on people with that. But I think, generally speaking, specifically since she identified, number one, that she had not ordered anything off of eBay. I mean, that was, and she mentioned that, but that's your number one thing. I mean, if, if you haven't ordered anything off eBay and this email is coming to you, then steer clear of that right away. But if there is a link that says click here and you're aware that this is not on the up and up, uh, I would say in the future, don't let the, your curiosity get the better of you. Stay away from clicking that link. Uh, yeah, I no mean, matter but, what. But she really brings up wonderful points, and and you know, like I said, the, the one that always kind of gets me, and we'll get this every now and then. Uh, I've gotten this over the years. Is well, I got this notice that somebody was sent me a message, had sent me a message on Facebook, and I clicked it, and you know, something weird happened. It's like, well, um, is your work email address the email address you use for Facebook? Well, no. Well, how do you think that your Facebook sent you something to the wrong email address to you? Yeah. Yeah. She was paying attention to that and realized, hey, I didn't order it. I've, I've seen that exact same thing a few times when people have kind of fallen for them. It's like, well, I knew I didn't order anything, but I figured maybe, maybe it was, no, no, if you didn't order anything, you didn't order anything at the end of the day. So, and the other thing, that, and you mentioned really this. great awareness on her part, too. I mean, I just wanted to make sure to point that out is that that was a, a wonderful way of, uh, explaining it that she did there. Yeah. And and you mentioned this earlier and you and Jeremy have mentioned this a lot of times on the show, but I think it's worth repeating because I think a lot of people when they're in their email, they just assume they, they don't necessarily think about the origin of where emails come from. They're just in, you know, you know, person to person connectivity mode or, or communication mode. But if you see something that is from a vendor that you already have an account with and you already do business with and they ask you for information, you got to think about, you know, whether or not that company should already have that information. For example, if you're, if you're an Amazon member and you get some fishy kind of, or even if it's not, if it doesn't look fishy, if you get something that looks like it is, you know, right as rain from Amazon and it's asking you for, you know, account information or payment information or anything like that. They already have that stuff. They don't need that stuff. From, they would have no reason to want to get that stuff from you again. And if they did, it would probably be in the client's own platform, like an app or something like that, the app proper and, and not just, you know, some random, you know, shot in a dark email. And that's something I think it, it's, it sounds easy and it sounds, you know, kind of duh if, when you say it like that on its face. But I think with a lot of people, when they're in email checking mode, they, you know, you're kind of in a different frame of mind and you skip right over that. But it's, it's an easy thing to overlook. It really is. And um, it, it and the scammers really, they they uh, they count on that. They, they realize that as well. I mean, it's just so and. A lot of us just want to be trusting, and it, 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 it goes against our nature to sit there and tell people, well, you just can't trust people. Not everyone has your best interest in mind. Yeah, um, It's an unfortunate truth, and it's, 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 it's sad, but it's true. 
or it, 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 as much as wanting to be trusting, a lot of people don't want to have to go through the hassle of, you know, assuming that there's a bunch of not on the up and up out there. Uh-huh. Well, so what do you think about, you know, I, I said I was going to ask you earlier about um, uh, as a as a business owner or as an individual, you look at the stuff that's happening and the, the growing um, the, the growing list of ransomware attacks. And you mentioned it. I mean, look, Yazoo County School District, a, a business owner, friend of yours with 12 computers in total uh, getting hit. This is it. It's so random. It's big and small. But it is happening with more and more frequency. As an individual, how do you block yourself from this? How do you protect yourself from this? I know you said, you know, companies can educate their employees, and that's a way that companies and agencies can help on this. But as an individual, how do you, how do you get better at at protecting yourself from stuff like this? Well, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, a lot of different, you know, the uh, the service that we use is called Know Before. Um, and they, they put a lot of even free information for just consumers out there. But it's just, it's that taking that time, you have to take the time and, and make the effort to get educated. Hey, I mean, really, in all honesty, people are taking that first step just by listening to us here. Yeah. Um, by all means, you know, shoot questions over. And, you know, that's what me and Jeremy are here for. We'll help answer those things. But it's just going to take that that little bit of time to get out there and educate yourself. And especially if something's messing with your uh, your finances, also take that time to make sure you are pulling your your annual credit reports and and keeping an eye on those things, because that's what they're going after, folks. They want your money. And that's it. Pure, plain and simple. They want your money. They don't want your email. Nobody cares about your email. They want your money. Um, and I should and I should mention specifically protect, I was gotta educate yourself. Yeah, I I should mention I was I was talking specifically more about you know vendors or, or marketplace platforms earlier, but you know financial institutions, banks, same thing. You know, I mean, those folks, if you're doing business with them, they already have your personal information, and they're not going to ask yes. for that stuff over email. It's just you know you just got to watch for that. And again, when when you're kind of in an unassuming state of mind and you get something that looks just like something with the the bank letterhead and like this email we've got from Hattiesburg with this, you know, this, the, 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 the letterhead, the logo, the placement, the, the formality of the whole thing it is very, very well done. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're that far into it and you're not really worried about it, not looking at it, it's easy to get tricked into it. And I could see, you know, how people fall, for that very easily. But, uh, uh, you know, please educate yourself. Uh, like Wilt said, send us an email. If you have any questions, you see anything that's suspicious, it's everyday tech at mpbonline.org. And, uh, <laughs> don't, don't panic buy gas. Just play it safe. Play it cool, man. Play it cool. <laughs> and, uh, look, like, like Wilt said at the very beginning of the show, a lot of the, the, a lot of that pipeline is manually already up. They said it's going to be fully operational again by the end of the week. And we're already, what, we're almost halfway through Wednesday. So we're coming toward the end of the week. So everybody be cool. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Wilts, for uh, handling uh, all of that for us and for that great information. We'll have Jeremy back next week, hopefully. Stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10 for Everyday Tech right here on MPB Think Radio.